Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves. Feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hello and welcome to the latest edition of FFS, another Brexit podcast. I'm Johnny. And I'm Maria. And we're here to help guide you through these troubled and turbulent times. Yes, last week's election results were incredibly bad. FFS, another Brexit podcast, aims to give you incredibly good analysis and insight with all our customary charm and wit. Don't know what to make of it all so far? Don't worry, neither do we, but we'll get there in the end. By the end of the podcast, definitely. Absolutely. More than anything, we're incredibly pleased to say that the indefatigable Mirror Chicken will be joining us on this week's podcast. <laughs> to our knowledge, this is the first time ever that a Mirror Chicken has been interviewed, and we've been given strict instructions not to dispel the magic. Of course, we wouldn't dream of any foul play. <sighs> Just stop right there. You can't deny that this interview is another feather in the FFS cap. I will do this episode by myself, I swear to God. All right, fine, fine, I'm done. Let's move on to FFS What a Week. 
Never has the title of our segment been so apt. Boris Johnson has led the Conservative Party to a thumping majority, its largest since the Thatcher of 80, whilst the Labour Party gave its worst showing since 1935 and the Lib Dems, well, the less said the better. We've just had the Queen's speech where she laid out Johnson's agenda. She made clear that the government's quote-unquote priority is to leave the EU and then for the next 10 minutes blithely described a series of plans which will be made only more difficult because of Brexit. Whilst the idea that Brexit can never be done is a fallacy, it would be true to say that it is now a question of when, not if, the Prime Minister's Brexit deal goes through. His job will be made easier by the infighting and backbiting that will be the Labour Party for the next few months as everyone tries to blame each other for this historic poor performance. But surely there's a strong spirit of honesty and responsibility in the air. Though their opinions may differ, Labour supporters should ultimately want the best for the party. You would think so, wouldn't you? The problem is that as soon as shit hits the fan, there's a vested interest in being as clean as possible, or, or at least cleaner than your colleagues, and that means throwing some shit yourself. The shit in this case being Brexit? Well, that's what some of them would like you to think, but... As usual, in the real world, which we increasingly seem to be leaving behind, things are a little bit more complicated than that. Right. So what you're saying is that Labour's electoral humiliation can't be pinned on a single issue and that unscrupulous players will use this as an opportunity to score points in this power struggle? I think we can be a little bit more explicit than that. Rather than face up to their mistakes like taking the working class vote for granted, which the Tories happily claimed instead, their mishandling of anti-Semitism within the party, putting forward a miscommunicated manifesto which many voters felt was unrealistic, and so on and so forth, MPs would rather blame their defeat entirely on one issue. And that issue is Brexit. Bingo! But the vast majority of Labour voters oppose Brexit. Yep. And their membership voted twice for them to adopt a pro-second referendum position. Well, quite. And the leadership's eventual begrudging adoption of the position did nothing to unify the Remain vote, which remained split all the way through the election. Indeed. And if they hadn't adopted a policy, they could have lost even more votes from Remainers who felt they weren't being listened to. I'm running out of ways to agree with you. And the report from Data Praxis said that, and I quote, Brexit is best seen as a symptom, not a cause, and certainly not the only cause of Labour's loss of its Leave voters. Uh-huh. And apart from anything else, it was the right thing to do. Why on earth should Labour endorse a Tory project which was thrust the far right into the mainstream, drastically increase the rates of hate crimes, and when it's actually enacted, it will hit the poorest in the country first and worst? Yeah, like I said, there's a lot of shit flying through the air at the moment, and most of it happens to be bullshit. Clearly. In any case, there's certainly a conversation to be had about why the case for a final say referendum wasn't being put forward as strongly as it could have been, and why the Remain vote ended up so divided. Please, can we not talk about the Lib Dems? No, no, no. This is a topic far closer to home. Oh, gosh. No, 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 quite the opposite. I am, of course, talking about one Roland Rudd. If you never heard his name, we are so, so jealous of you. Uh, So, um, quick recap. Back in October, the People's Vote had just had finished an incredible summer of campaigning, held its most successful march, and Boris Johnson had been forced to withdraw his Brexit bill because he was so afraid that an amendment for a confirmatory referendum would be slapped on it. We had a general election plan all worked out and were fairly confident that with the combination of deep pockets, lots of data and expert guidance from James McGrory and Tom Baldwin, we would have a shot at blocking Johnson's majority. Which is why Roland Rudd, in all of his famed strategic genius, decided to fire James and Tom without consulting any staff two days before the election was officially announced. Ever since, we've been asking ourselves why he would do this and we've decided that he must be either sad, mad or bad. Mm -hmm. Um, Sad first. 
poor baby boomer Rudd's ego couldn't handle his totally inadequate and actively harmful suggestions for strategy not being followed as gospel by people who had devoted their lives to politics. Uh, remind me what Rudd's career was in? <laughs> PR. Oh, yes, that's right. So the multimillionaire self-described PR guru's feelings were hurt by the grown-ups who told him that political strategy should be left to people who know what they're talking about. So he then fired them to show them who really knows what they're talking about. Well, clearly that went very well. All right, theory two, mad. Rudd truly believes his behaviour is all for the greater good. Behaviour that includes launching lawsuits against multiple young members of staff, brushing off concerns about the inappropriate behaviour of his replacement CEO, who took a leave of absence two weeks into the job, and summoning staff to a meeting where he was flanked by hired muscle like a literal supervillain. <laughs> it would explain the total insanity of firing James and Tom just before the election was announced. And finally... Bad. I have to be careful what I say here, in case his team of lawyers are listening. If they are, hello, you're working for a bastard. Um, so I'll just lay out some facts. Firstly, Rudd has a long-standing friendship with none other than Boris Johnson. Let's let that just sink in. Um, secondly, his sister Amber was a Tory MP who served in Johnson's cabinet. And finally, remember all that money and data we mentioned about how good a place people's vote was in before the election? Yeah, that hasn't just disappeared. Rudd now controls all of that. Hmm, scary stuff. I'd say it's probably a combination of sad, mad and bad. Yeah, probably. But sadly, the damage is done either way. So, <sighs> But that's enough time dwelling on the past. Let's talk about the bright, bright future ahead of us. Oh, you're joking. Yeah, Okay, you're joking. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, not entirely. Christmas is next week. Oh, true, true. Um, I could definitely do the break. <laughs> and food and decorations and presents, come on. Yeah, but okay, mainly it's the politics chat around the dinner table, right? <laughs> Speak for yourself. I'm planning to forget all about it for at least, mm, I don't know, an hour. <laughs> Good luck with that. Um, I mean, there's more than enough to do after Christmas. True. Um, we have an impact report to publish, which will examine the effect FFS had over the last 20 months. Spoiler alert, it's huge. Yes, keep an eye out for that. It's available at Waterstones Amazons for a low, low price of £20. Mm, just kidding. It'll be free to download from our website. Ha, ha. You do know we want people to actually read this, right? And they will, especially when we tell them about the super special event we're planning for our, all our supporters. Oh, yeah, the most talked about UK youth politics event in late January. I feel like you're setting the bar pretty low there. Seriously, though, it's going to be wild. There's some huge VIPs coming, the venue looks incredible, and there are free drinks all night long. <laughs> Two of those things are actually true. Okay, fine. The drinks won't be free. But it will be incredible. And with that, let's move on to the main event of this episode. Well, hello. Hello. We have now been joined by the famous Mirror Chicken. First name Mirror, last name Chicken. Welcome. Um, yeah. Good day. Welcome, Don't. welcome. It's a pleasure to have you. Any guests that we have on the FFS podcast, we always ask them, who would you give an FFS award to? I'd give the FFS award, of course, to... The man, the myth, the legend, the person I'm following constantly. Leader of the Tory party at the moment, Boris Johnson. Well, he's not only the leader of the Tory party, he's now the Prime Minister again. Oh, that would be why I'm giving him the FFS award, because FFS. <laughs> do, you think, do you think we can get him to come to our offices and accept it personally, possibly from you? I mean, I can definitely try. Yeah? I can, I can, I can uh, tweet him or cluck him. Yeah? You cluck. <laughs> I'll cluck him. See, see if he responds. Probably won't. Is that a specific form of Twitter? The clucker? Yeah. The club. <laughs> Has the chicken ever actually gone up to the Tory leader and been like, come at me, come meet me? Come, come meet me. 
There was there was one time meeting David Cameron. This was obviously not the most recent election campaign, but where went up to go meet him, and he just ripped my head straight off. That's probably about the closest I got. <laughs> Whoa, <laughs> that's intense. Very unfair. But now I've I've moved on from that. And uh, do you think yeah. do you, would you back yourself in a fight against Boris Johnson if he tried to rip your head off? I mean, he does have thumbs, which is a distinct advantage. Mm. Um. No beak, though. But no beak. This is what I'm thinking. I just I have a beak, and it's big. So um, I think I reckon I reckon I could take Boris. Maybe not the hordes of security guards and police around him, but if it was one on one cockfight, if you will. Mano a chicken, eh? Yeah, yeah. So from what we know, this is the first interview that the chicken has ever given. So <laughs> yeah. Thank you for giving us this exclusive. So following on from that, can you tell us a bit about your origin? Where did you come from? What egg? Where did you go? Well, as <laughs> <laughs> I was crossing the road one day. And then, oh my no. fucking God. <laughs> was this a good idea? <laughs> <laughs> and then I just, I blank. No, like, like, like many people, I don't remember the, the early parts of my lives very well, but there's a couple of stories floating around. And uh, as far as I'm aware, it was uh, one fateful day with John Major where somebody said something about a chicken and then I was hatched and proceeded to follow somebody forever. Hatched. So can you answer the eternal question, what came first, the chicken or the egg? See, this, this has bothered me for a long time that people ask this question. Um, <laughs> frankly, it's slightly <laughs> offensive. <laughs> um, but if you really think about it, eggs, because dinosaurs... Dinosaurs were around before chickens, so of course eggs came first. Interesting. <laughs> mm. um, I'm not sure how to react to this. <laughs> I mean, uh, that, that, it feels like we've just been dropped a truth bomb that no one really <laughs> has thought of before. I've thought about this for a long time. I get asked it a lot. I mean, I guess, what do, what do, you, what do you do when, you're not, when there's no general election campaign? Like, what does the chicken... Do you exist, or do you live in some kind of like parallel universe? I lie in wait. I roost. Right, where, four, do you, where do you four roost? Years, four to five years, I roost, waiting. To, to follow somebody mildly terrifying <laughs> yes. um where um where, where do you roost or is that a state secret the, uh, the exact coordinates are a slight uh slight state secret um but i can tell you it's near parliament and there is a big clock and also some bells or a clock it's under reconstruction at the moment. <laughs> <Hey>. <laughs> i've been given a pun limit so i'm not allowed to that's one new stuff i guess clucking hell <laughs> moving on from that why do you do what you do why do you roost for four to five years and then follow someone what what is the purpose of your life um to follow yeah but why but not to lead <laughs> not to lead to follow because I don't know if you've sensed a trend recently, or at least in the last 25 years of Conservative Party leaders sort of chickening out of things. And I just sort of mm. felt that resonated quite well with me. And I was like, this is, this is my calling. <laughs> this is where I need to be in life. Which event did you find most fun this general election? Which event? I did meet Boris Johnson's dad. Stanley. Yes. Where, where, where was that? This was the one time that I actually went somewhere specifically where Boris Johnson wasn't going to be, and that was the climate debate. Oh, of course. Famously, he wasn't there. I think I'm, it's the only time I've ever gone specifically to where he's not. Did it feel strange to go it somewhere? It was odd. Where... I felt a little lost. Right. Um, again, not sure why I crossed the road for that. But again, yeah. I'm guessing that was to prove a point. Prove a point. I mean, yeah, it was, it was to sort of be like, if I'm here, why aren't you? There was a brief talk. Kind of well. empty chairing him, there, but yeah, from the chicken there perspective. Was, there you was, I, did, I did try and get into the studios. I called up some, some people on the inside and said, can I, 
can I can I can I stand stand where he was going to stand? <laughs> they weren't happy with that. Idea, <laughs> as you might expect. Oh, that would have been brilliant. I mean, I'd love it if they'd yeah. refused to let Michael Gove come in. But like, yeah, sure, mirror chicken. Come right on in. Go for the mirror chicken. Get him on in. <laughs> um, so wait, you met Stanley then? Yeah. What, yeah, yeah. What What does he smell like? Um, smell like? Yeah. What does he smell like? I mean, the man does good stuff for the for for climate. He's a he's a climate activist. Well, he's self described crusty. I mean, that is, if Krusty could be a smell, uh, he would probably be up there, but I would not like to disparage him. He smelled lovely. He was a lovely man. Oh, he just lovely. was slightly confused why I was hugging him with a sign that said, Boris is all squawk. And he, I, I figured out where Boris gets his blustering, uh, it's his dad. Well, that's the kind of impression you only get by careful study and yes. sort of months of dedication. And sort of lightly touching his shoulder as he sort of walked past me as well. Jeez. <laughs> oh, <Ooh>, okay. Um, <laughs> did you meet Gove as well, or did he? I did not meet Gove. No, there was there was a strict no poultry entrance on the ITN building. Sadly, <laughs> sad. sad. Yeah. That is quite sad. Yeah. So, why do you think it's been so hard for you to like? come face to face with boris because i mean you've had more luck with david cameron right is that not fair mm. to say well yeah david cameron got fully involved i'd say um in the thick of it even. yeah well yeah yeah good <laughs> nice um that barely counts <laughs> this one was particularly difficult like the everyone in the office was saying this has been one of the hardest campaign like campaigns to get near boris or get near the tory leader there's ever been and there's a couple of factors. One was obviously he's the sitting prime minister at the moment. So he's got not just police, there's private security, loads of sort of helpers and people on the perimeter sort of keeping an eye out for, I wouldn't say just me, but me. Um, so it was always quite difficult to get close. Uh, and then on top of that, as as my role would suggest, he's been chickening out of a lot of things. He's been ducking out of public appearances left and right even even walking in front of even going in main entrances into buildings when he's scheduled to so would you say the back instead the less you see of boris johnson the better you're doing your job that's a good way to think i definitely there was there was one great time in media city in salford in manchester and um we we were waiting for him lying in wait at one of the one of the junctions that he could have come out of and they even blocked off the road they sent out some police to come have a chat with me and uh, they've locked off the road and like, he's definitely coming out this way just to make sure like you're not going to do anything silly and jump mm-hmm. in the road. And I know as a chicken, that would be my instinct, but mm. I didn't. <laughs> and then uh, while, while they were talking to us about how he was coming this way, they, he went out the other way. He purposefully avoided me. And I thought, at least they're putting the effort in. <laughs> at least they're trying. So Boris Johnson is scared of you. Well, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna say Boris Johnson is or is not anything. <laughs> However, you can you can interpret what you'd like from his actions. I'm I'm gonna say it. Boris Johnson is scared of a chicken. Okay, but you said it, not me. <laughs> <laughs> so apparently, the part of the reason why he has been chickening out so much more is because Theresa May was such a train wreck, essentially in media appearances. So now the Conservative Party has been trying to minimise that. So much so that I can't believe that he would try and chicken out from a media appearance by hiding in a fridge. Can we just <laughs> take a moment to talk about that? that is, How our yeah. current prime minister has literally gone into a fridge 
to avoid a journalist and has put in a phone in his pocket to try and avoid looking at a picture. Oh, yeah, he stole that journalist's phone, mm. didn't he? Yeah. Um, yeah, all right. Well, well, first things first, I guess, the fridge. Uh, yeah, what are your thoughts on Boris yeah, what is this, you, hiding in a fridge? What are um, your thoughts on this behaviour? I mean, it's a bit chicken if you ask me. Just, I'm not a fan of fridges myself, but just ignore it or say no or walk away rather than just hide in a fridge. Or answer the questions or of the journalist. answer the question. You know, I mean, be held accountable. I was, I was assuming he just wasn't going to answer, but very chicken, to say, the, to say the least. He was just hiding in a fridge from a question. It's just strange because normally it's you hiding in things to try and jump out yeah. at him. Yeah, whereas he retreated into a, an egg of a fridge. <laughs> so oh you could say that he's actually proving you right. Well, I think, yeah. I think in, in, in the sense of him being clever and avoiding me and doing everything he can to sort of avoid public appearance. I mean, in the, in the six weeks of the election campaign, I don't think he actually made a single public appearance that was known of in advance. Interesting. I, don't, hmm. I cannot think of... It was obviously it was his campaign bus launch and you could point out all these sort of fake public appearances. But even me... Chicken who is specifically following this man. He, I did not know where this campaign launch was going to be. Well, especially with the hospitals, right? So every time he visits yeah, a hospital, he, they, these... they never told anyone because obviously NHS staff hate him. Yeah. Like, hate the man. There's like, I think there's multiple hospitals where he's been shouted at, either by, you know, patients or like he, family yeah. of patients or, you know, doctors saying like, what are you doing to our health service? He's, I'll clap, he, he's made public appearances but they've never been ones where the public can attend if you know what i mean mm. so he'll be out and about in the public but nobody will know that he's there only the people nearby that will then only be let through security i assume if they're friendly it's bizarre like it's like an undercover version of a prime minister it's, it's so different from the london mayor that we had you know like back in 2012 who loved sort of just doing spontaneous stuff like that zipline mm. stuff. It's just an entirely different person. It makes you wonder, like, is this the real Boris Johnson? Was that the real Boris Johnson? Does a real Boris Johnson actually even exist? Or is it just, like, just a, a thing that will, like, do whatever is practical or useful at the time? I mean, I don't, I don't think a prime minister could get away with rugby tackling a, nine, a nine-year-old child, was it? I can't remember how old the child was, but... A child. Yeah, a child, definitely, definitely a child. <laughs> Below the age of 18 is the important thing there, I think. Yeah. Um... But I, I have a theory about this. This is a theory entirely of my own that I've not actually told anyone else. Oh, really? Interesting. We got, we're getting an exclusive Oh, my here. God, here we go. <laughs> and my, my thinking is that Boris, the, the weird, wacky man that everyone knows him as, is who Boris is. And he's built his brand around that, which is why we're calling him Boris right now, not Mr. Johnson. Mm. Mm. Which is actually, that's, that's, that's against so the FFS. So it's marketing and it's, it is also playing up to who he is as a character and also himself as who he is normally. But as a prime minister, being a weird, wacky guy is probably not that great for the world stage, I would imagine. Mm. Mm. So being sort of, I mean, rugby tackling a small child or slide tackling somebody in charity football probably won't go down as well if you've also got the, the nuclear codes. <laughs> um, uh, Jesus. Yeah? Yeah. That's really put things into, into perspective, hasn't it? Mm. Um, so where since he's been so hard to reach, 
Has that led to you possibly being arrested? Because you keep talking about all the security and stuff. Um, well, I, I feel like it's probably best for me not to talk about previous election campaigns. But during this one, of course, with, with my life's ambition, there is also some liaising or talking with the police and security staff. And you live a life on the edge, is life that to say? Life on the edge, always. One foot in the fryer. Um, oh God. Um, I think the, the, the most enjoyable, and maybe not the most enjoyable, but the, the first, the first um, event I went to for this campaign was up in Birmingham for the campaign launch, obviously, for mm. the uh, NEC, the National Exhibition Centre. And it was a bit of a cluster cluck. <laughs> um, why, God, why? <laughs> so it was, it was all going well. I'd, I'd organised my travel up there, spoken with people, and ended up finding out that my travel didn't quite, write, didn't quite go to the right station. So I ended up coming into the NEC sort of park from the wrong side. I just walked through some doors, up some stairs, around some corridors, followed the map on the inside. Had no idea where I really was, but knew I had to get to a certain room at a certain time. And I'd sort of hide in the toilets, prepare myself, get ready, and then get the heads up and then come out and say hello to Boris Johnson. Um, on my way, a sort of about two metres from the entrance to the toilets, I was going to go wait in. After I'd find my, found my way there after five minutes. Uh, a policeman, or police officer, rather, came up to me and sort of sussed me out a little bit because the place was empty and in walks a chicken. So it was kind of obvious, and he guided me out past security, gave my description to security and sort of sort of shoved me in the direction of the train station. The description? Yeah, well, the description. It's, it's a chicken. Chicken, <laughs> chicken was the description, yeah. Um, it's quite easy it's quite easy to sort of think about that Uh, uh, but yeah so I got chucked out without even getting anywhere near him and then the the dodgy bit came afterwards when I then tried to get back through security Um, and they were very very unhappy with me um, trying to get back through security and then the police escorted me back off the premises and asked where I lived my name did you say the egg? And I and, didn't say the egg. Chicken. I, sh- I should have said which comes first. <laughs> where I live or the egg. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, so as I was sort of walk- like escorted out, they tried to sort of get my, get my information from me. And they, I, I refused because nothing happened and they mm. were okay with that. And then they talked me through like what could have happened. And they basically said, if you jumped out of that toilet to come say hello to Boris Johnson, you would have been scissor, like two, two, three armed police would have tackled you in opposite directions. And whatever happens to your body is up to you at that point. It sounds like it's not up to you. It sounds like it's very much well, up to the armed uh, police. Officers. Yeah, you <laughs> make that. It's kind of my fault. And uh, to an extent, it's kind of if you're going to jump out at sort of the leader of the United Kingdom, mm. it, you expect to experience some resistance. Just maybe not three armed police guards, but fair enough. Um, well, in a few years, it might just yeah. be the kingdom rather than the United Kingdom. Well, so. it might just be England yeah. or London, like a Vatican City. 
I mean, less travel for you then, I guess. Yeah, it'll be good. It's very easy. Just get it cheap everywhere. Well, we wish you luck on your future endeavours. Cluck. Cluck, don't you mean? Do you want to say that again? No. Well, do I? mm, Yeah, okay. Well, we wish you cluck on your future endeavours. No, I can't do it. I just just said no. Oh, God. (laughs) Now it's time for rest and for you to roost. Mm -hmm. Uh, Thank you for coming out and speaking to us and telling us all about your job. And for what's next with FFS at the moment, well, you've heard about our future plans for events and report. But for now, just take it easy. It's Christmas. Try and enjoy while we can before the world ends. Uh, I'm Maria. I'm Johnny. And happy holidays. Try and rest and relax and we'll be back with you in the new year. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.